Hello and welcome to episode 4 of the Music Survival Guide. If you're in a band, you're probably going to have to tackle self-promotion. Artists take all different kinds of approaches to it, but it's hard to tell who's doing it right and who's doing it wrong. Failing to understand how to promote your band successfully could make or break its success. As producers and engineers, myself and Phil see a lot of effective and some not so effective methods of self-promotion. In this episode, we want to guide you through what we've seen and experienced to help you successfully promote your band to where it needs to be. As always, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you usually get it, and let us know what you think with a review. So, enough with the introductions. Here comes the show. So, Phil, how are you doing today? I'm uh, exhausted, but good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Life is, is sort of wearing me down at the moment, but, you know, soldiering on, carrying on. I'll be able to sleep eventually. <laughs> That's right? a lie. That's... We all know it will just keep on going. Oh, can I stop, please? Anyway, <laughs> how are you? I'm doing really well, mate. It's uh, always the time of year that I find tend to be the busiest, kind of that post-festival, mm-hmm. at the time of recording this is, uh, that kind of post-festival thing uh got a really exciting album project coming up in september uh, which may be before after or currently at the time that this goes out um so yeah just trying to get lots of stuff prepared for that exciting mm-hmm. so what are we going to cover today well today we are going to cover self-promotion Oh, mm. dirty word to Sam. Um, <laughs> so it is um, can be a bit of a, a bit of a minefield to some people. Um, so you know you can sometimes feel like you know you're bugging your friends. You're you're saying come to my gig. You know come and listen to my music, whatever it may be. But there are actually some really effective and quite simple ways of um, bringing people into your uh, music. Yeah. So I think a really good place to start is what I'd consider general housekeeping when it comes to your band's Facebook or Instagram or whatever, which is basically making sure it's up to date, making sure it's relevant, making sure that you haven't got links on there that lead to 404 errors or, you know, I came across one today where it sent me to the Spotify of a different band and I couldn't (laughs) figure out if it was the same band and it was... did it have the I, same I don't name? know, but put it this way. If I find it confusing, and I'm a person who does this a lot, your average Joe, pardon the pun, probably won't be able to figure out what's going on. That was a terrible pun. So this is something we did discuss um, quite extensively in a previous episode about having your, your social media posting regular and keeping your links active and working. But it's also really relevant for helping people to kind of find you and know who you are and what you're about. Um, as well as that, it, um, places like Facebook and Instagram push you up their uh, uh, feed when you uh, post regularly and when you post consistently. Something to consider, even on a more basic scale than that, is it just raises people's suspicions when your feed looks empty. The, the best way to kind of convince people that you've got things going on is to be posting regularly. Yes. If I'm a promoter or, you know, 
heaven forbid, a music producer like I am, um, <laughs> if I'm looking to work with a band and I see that they haven't posted since, you know, 2017, like two years ago, I'm going to be suspicious of whether that band's still going. Do they take themselves seriously? Do I want to be associated with this band? Mm. It's something to really consider. And it's it's actually really easy to um, keep things to post so if you if you go on i don't know like a, a road trip on a mini tour or whatever take loads of photos and then you can release them over a really long period of time and you can just keep people engaged with what you're doing keep people engaged with your um, personality whatever it may be 100 percent. i think there's there's too much of uh of a panic from bands that the quality of their content has to always be you know a new song or you know a really long long form video whereas those are great but i don't think it hurts in the meantime to like you said kind of have the occasional photo from from a rehearsal or just generally showing what what you're doing if you if you're out for a lunch with the band or with like a music person you have a meetings about something that's really exciting content too post 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 <laughs> if in doubt post if in doubt post. well yeah sure why not <laughs> just make it make sure it's stuff that facebook won't flag as not okay. yeah yeah i say if in doubt post asterisk as long as it's uh generally internet friendly generally internet friendly so <laughs> it's a very catch-all term um another potential um avenue for for kind of self-promotion is facebook groups um which are they've really expanded in the last three years they've become a thing so um in each sort of city and town there's often like music groups about gigs and bands and all sorts of things that are happening but then it's also like a genre based one so there's one that i'm um heavily into uh, which is called the new wave of classic rock n-w-o-c-r um they've even got their own t-shirts i have one um and they're a really great active community of people who are just promoting this kind of music so it's full of um, bands showing their own work it's full of fans posting photos all sorts of songs playlists everything sort of flying around there and it's I recommend it to a lot of bands who fit within that genre just because it's such a, a ready source of, of potential fans. Totally. One thing to to really highlight is, like you say, it's great for self-promotion, but to get the most out of it, like you said, being an active member of those groups is really yes. important and not necessarily just posting about yourself and your own band, but also commenting positive things. Don't be a troll. Don't be that guy. <laughs> commenting positive things about other people's work, engaging with them. Even You could even go as far as if someone posts something and you think it's really interesting, it's a new song or a single, mm. instead of just dropping them a, a comment, drop them a, a direct message just to let them know how much you really, how much you really liked it. It's something I, I noticed quite a bit. I was having a conversation with a photographer friend and she does amazing photography and she's she's done really really well for herself and her 
strategy was when people used to post on those communities and they'd say, um, hey, looking for a photographer for my band for this date, this venue in this location. And you'd see loads of people posting, you know, just, oh, this is my site, this is my site, this is my site, this is my site. And the way that she stood above the crowd was she posted, this is my site, but then also direct mm. messaged them and just was like, hey, I checked out your single I really, really enjoyed it. I'd love to come do some photography work from you. Here's my site. Here's my number if you want to jump on the phone. And I think that totally sets you apart from everyone else. So it's a great networking opportunity as well, isn't it? Yeah. So you could, if you are looking for gigs and you're not really sure, maybe you're a newer band, um, and you're maybe looking for a band to support, Facebook groups and networking with active band members in there could be a great way of finding a potential support slot um and getting general advice about kind of where to go in the local area yeah a way a way to think that i like to think about it is if you were doing this type of networking in person you wouldn't just go up to someone and say here's my single and then run away and hope that they come back after you you kind of want to engage them in a conversation and ask them about themselves and the the scary thing is i think I see quite a lot of bands that um, that do this even at gigs. I went to support a, support a band that I'm working with and they were headlining and there was a few cool support bands and they had had, um, had like a little business cards with their new single and a link to it. And I thought, oh, that's such a cool idea. Hmm. But the way that the guy literally came up to me and just went, hmm. Uh, and passed me the card and ran away. <laughs> like, he literally you, grunted. You could have, you could have. I mean, I'm not... People might think, oh, it was really packed. At this point, I'm not going to lie, it was pretty empty at this stage because I was at the bar kind of to the side of the venue. He, he could have had a conversation with me and I probably would have been more likely to then check out the band and check out the music and be more engaged. I think if you're not getting something back it's really difficult to it's really difficult to feel passionate towards something if you don't feel mm. like you're going to get anything in return so the way that i i really do not remember where i heard this but i heard it somewhere and it's very good advice um the way to to approach online nurse i don't really know what to call it um being online and self-promotion is to imagine yourself at a party and um you know there's loads of people you don't know at this party and you really want to chat with them and the first thing you want to say is not have you heard what i'm doing that's really cool it's you know how are you what what are you up to and that kind of thing and you just want the conversation to naturally go to and what are you doing that kind of thing yeah agreed i mean i think this also extends like I just said, not only to online, but also to in person. Yes. I think because, I mean, so. we've loosely called this uh, like self-promotion and other related tips. And I think one thing I've noticed when we were brainstorming this is it's so internet centric, whereas I know a lot of the connections I've made in the industry, all the strongest ones have probably started in person. So again, mm. it's this thing of, do you have the attitude of, here's, here's, my, here's, here's my card. And I'm not saying that I am, but what if I'd been, you know, from a label or 
uh, old school scout or A and R from a major label. Do they exist anymore? Uh, yeah, I know a few. Ooh. They're very, very rare, but they yeah. still do exist. Um, mm. So if that would have been a completely wasted opportunity for him. He could have just like started a conversation. I was already interested in the band and we could have networked from there. But alas, he wasted the uh, metaphorical opportunity. Metaphorical opportunity? Yeah, because I'm not, not a actually a label A and R scout. Oh, I see that. Right. But you could... Well, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> so, a really related point um, is gigs. Now, this... Completely appreciate this isn't a tip for everybody, um, but certainly with the kind of bands that I work with, like rock and metal, that kind of thing, gigs are essential. If you are not gigging, especially as a rock and metal band, again, other genres may vary, um, you are often considered to be not really active. That is where your fans see you. That is where they they appreciate you. You get photos, you get videos, and where they hear your you know your new unreleased songs, and it's a, it's a great opportunity. And to not do it is is crazy. One caveat I would I would throw in with that is uh, well, it's not a caveat. It's just something uh, that I would say is a huge gap in the market is I don't feel like there are enough artists in other genres that are gigging enough. I feel like the rock and heavy rock and metal, maybe guitar indie, I think is probably Mm. up there with the, um, with those other genres in terms of having a good presence in their live scene. But I don't see enough pop acts doing, doing gigs. And there's no there's no real excuse anymore. I think now you've kind of got so much easy accessibility with Ableton and um, modern technology. I'm running backing, yeah, and running backing tracks that aren't just you know someone sticking a CD on and then you sing along. So that's karaoke. That's not a gig. Um, I, I just yeah, I just think there are a lot of pop acts that that could that could do with the traction that doing live mm. shows brings, especially in the early parts. They're relying too much on on their songs and their single releases, which, don't get me wrong, are important, but it just feels like it's an area of self-promotion and marketing that they're not really utilising. Yeah, it is a wasted opportunity if you, if you don't at least try, I would say. Um, another, another kind of important thing within it is if you are a you know, a, a bigger band in your local scene, uh, maybe you're headlining some gigs. I would honestly say if you're trying to break into a, a new area, I don't know, you're going somewhere that's maybe like 100 miles away. We are in the UK, so if you're American, 100 miles is, is nothing, I know. Um, if you're going to, you know, an area where you're not known, don't be afraid to take a support place in a gig um, because that is how people discover you. Um, they kind of, it's, it's a lot of the time at gigs, it's by chance. Um, there's loads of gigs I've been to where I've gone, I'm going for that band and I don't know the others. And I go and see. And sometimes I'm really amazed. Sometimes I'm absolutely appalled, but that's that's a different story. Yeah, there's there's such a huge, huge point there about not letting your ego get in the way of um, doing support slots because I'm going to be brutally honest. And I think I'd, I've not had this discussion with anyone, but I think a lot of people feel like this. There's a certain level of gig where, quite frankly, I don't care who the headliner is. There's, 
there's almost a point where being a headline is a slight disadvantage because you'll be the last person on. Mm. And at that point, you know, I mean, I've seen gigs where it's like six bands on the bill. If people turn up for the first one, I'd be very surprised if any of them managed to last it till the end. So I don't think there's, there's such, there should be such a huge emphasis on uh, taking headline gigs. Mm. Uh, and again, like you, like you say, if you are doing well in your local scene and you are doing local headliners, it's really, really good leverage uh, yes. to get gigs elsewhere by offering gig swaps. So Ooh. find... I did this today, actually. I set up two bands that I'm working with. One, because they said, oh, hey, we're... We're from Glasgow or near Glasgow. And they said, and we're headlining. We want some shows in Liverpool. I said, oh, okay. Spoke to another band literally an hour later. And they were like, oh, yeah, we want to do, start doing some shows outside Liverpool, maybe in Scotland. So I introduced Excellent. them to each other. And now they're both just going to support each other in their respective cities. It's, it's mm. perfect. Everyone gets what they want in that situation. There's no, it's win-win. Do you know, I've genuinely never heard of gig swapping. I don't really? know if that's something that really happens in the rock and metal community that I've ever heard of, genuinely. That's that interesting me. to me. Because I'd say these bands were actually maybe hard rock-ish. Maybe it's, maybe it's just the area that I'm in, you know. Maybe, but you are London, so it seems <laughs> quite... Maybe it's just very London-centric. It, it is, I won't lie. It really is. <laughs> London is yeah. very London-centric. I, I speak to a lot of... Um, I speak to a lot of bands who are London-based, and they, are, when it comes to gigging, the first thing they ask me is, "How do we get gigs outside of London?" Mm. Because I think the market, although you know the scene is obviously great in London, it's saturated because there are so many people there. Yeah. So you're getting bands that are really only starting up in still really good big cities with great live scenes, like your Glasgow, your Manchester, your Liverpool. And they gain traction enough to do tours and headline shows a damn side quicker than if they were in London. Yes. And that just, you know, that gets attention from local press, local radio. Before you know it, they're kind of playing on, uh, you know, BBC introducing for their area. And at that point, no one really cares where you're from. Mm. They just, you just have the traction to, to keep going at that point. So what you're saying is there's more to life than London. Controversial. Oh, yeah, I'm 100% saying there's more to life than London. <laughs> but London is everything. There's nothing outside of London. Ah. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I am from Leeds, but let's not, let's not focus on that shameful yeah, past. There's a, there's a certain irony in a Welshman and someone from Leeds discussing uh, if London's the centre of the world. <laughs> I can tell you for now it's not. Anyway. <laughs> so on the topic of human interaction and you know, networking in person. I think the huge thing to highlight, and the same goes for being online as well, is uh, don't be a dick, to Please. paraphrase the... Uh, Please don't. Is it Adam Hills, the Australian comedian, who that became his catchphrase for a long time? I couldn't tell you. I watch a lot of Last Week Tonight, but not Last Week Tonight. That's, that's American. Um... <laughs> last Leg? Last Leg. It's the last yeah, thing that confused I'm me. pretty sure for a while their, their, their slogan was don't be a dick. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot to be said for not getting yourself blacklisted by being a jerk. 
I'm trying to think of a more poetic way of saying it. That there is no more poetic way. Just don't be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> there are so many opportunities where there will be such a narrow margin that decides whether you or another band or another artist get that opportunity. And if I'm honest, from a lot of the people I've spoken to, like promoters and people who work at labels, maybe not so much labels, but definitely promoters, uh, is who will be the least hassle? And by that, they mm. mean who is the nicest person to, to work alongside, who, who's not going to give them any grief. And yeah, if you're in that don't be a dick category <laughs> and there's another band that are as good as you, but they are dicks, I, I can speak as if I've got the choice of working between the two, I know that I'd definitely pick the ones that pick are up. nicer to be around. Hmm. And I'd kind of tack on to that. My absolute pet peeve, right, is being, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, being added by a band member on Facebook, especially, and the first thing they do is go, here's my music. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a hi, it's not a how are you. It's, it's, it's back to our conversation about you know just being nice and being a sort of interested in what the other person's doing. Um, you, you just need to, if you, if you're on Facebook and you're adding random people, uh, maybe you've seen them on communities and things, um, and you're just the first thing you're doing is sending your music to them. I would think that through carefully because um, that can put people off. Yeah, it has to be a two-way thing. Although, if I'm honest, I've not experienced that. Have so I don't know Maybe if that's... it's a more mm. genre, well, slash genre, or I don't use personal Facebook. So I think that's that probably got more thing about it. That's probably got more to do with it than... That would do it. Maybe it's a London thing. Maybe it's a London thing, or I might, you know, hazard a look at my uh, friend request and see the awaiting bin fire that might be waiting. <laughs> what, a, what an exciting opportunity that may be. <laughs> <laughs> Fun-filled weekend. Um, on, the, on, the, on that topic you were kind of saying about just, I think it's a good thing to summarise it as e email and internet etiquette mm. uh, is... The amount, it, it sounds really, really daft, but I can... I've, I've been in situations where bands have emailed someone that I've been working with them, and it's about like an opportunity, a promotion or something. And then they go, oh, well, that person was a bit off with us when they replied back. And then I look at the email they sent, and I went, yes, because that reads more like a death threat than please can we have this gig. A death threat? What? What it, are these people writing? There's just, I just think there's, there's almost a, I don't want to say over formality because there has to be a level of formality, especially over email. But I would, before you send an email, read it and think, how would I feel if I, re if I received this email? More important that read it out loud makes such a difference. Yeah. And also, I'm a huge fan of it, is if, you, if you're worried about the tone of something, because ultimately that's the huge, huge difficulty with email or anything that's just text-based, is uh, put an emoji in. It's really not a crime to just throw in a smiley face if you want to appear more friendly. I've got to be honest, I absolutely hate emojis, but I've started to use them because I'm a dying breed. 
I can't stand them. There's something about them that really, really annoys me. Well, I'm going to be sending you an email every day with an emoji in. Excellent. Is it going to be a different one every day? You can tell me a story over emoji over a really long form. Maybe. I look forward to email number one. Going straight to the spam folder. How dare you? Speaking I of dare. spam, though, I think another thing to cover would be paid promotion. I'm so impressed with the segue into that. That was too good. I think a lot of people can see, uh, you know, the dreaded suggested thing on uh, on Facebook and going, oh, God, this isn't, I'm, I'm not interested in this. Or why am I being shown this is, is another thing. Um so yeah, do you just want to kind of run through the different types of, like a brief summary of the different types of paid promotion a band could have? So there's two major kinds of promotion. Um, there's, I, I don't know the fancy words, if I'm honest, but there are some fancy terms around this. There's the kind of paid promotion that appears when you type something in, when you're actively searching for something. Um, so the best example is Google, when you get the ads at the top and bottom. And the other one is, um, I do know the word, interruptive uh, marketing, mm-hmm. um, which is especially on Facebook and um, on Instagram and everything else. Um, that's kind of a, you know, um, based on your likes, you may, you may, you may enjoy this, um, but you may not. It's that kind of thing. Um, and if anything, um, I think interruptive marketing is better, but it comes with a huge caveat that if you don't know what you're doing, it's a great way to spend a lot of money on nothing. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you, so it's, especially with Facebook, it's, it's all about the targeting. If you get your targeting right, you could stand to, to get a lot of fans very quickly. But if you get it wrong, again, it will go nowhere and you can easily spend literally thousands of pounds on not a lot. The best kind of uh, Facebook marketing that I have seen from bands because I've seen all sorts of varieties of ones is um, a video and it's usually um, a video that's part of a music video that they've they've found you know the best I don't know 20 30 seconds like the absolute key part of the song and they've gone basically gone here you are I mean they've, they've put much better language on it than that but that is just a such a quick way of um, going if you like our music, here it is. And it gives people a chance to go, I like that or I don't like that. And um, especially if you include a video, then it is a great way of getting people to see your um, your song as they go down the feed. Agreed. I think one word of warning, because I've written it in bold when we made some notes about what we talk about, is uh, skipping everything, including... so skipping all the foundations and going directly to paid promotion is the biggest waste of money you could do. Like throwing a lot of money at marketing a bad song won't make it a good song. (laughs) (laughs) That's, 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 I think something really, really important to highlight. A bad song is not worth marketing. A good song is worth marketing. It's kind of as simple as that really. Yeah, there's there's an element to it as well. Definitely a frustration when I see what are clearly quite expensive marketing campaigns, and because you know I do them for 
for my mixing services i can kind of tell when someone's maybe paid someone else to do it or they're you know they're throwing some decent amount of weight you know money at it mm. is when it sounds awful and they've clearly skipped like having a good production or a good mix or a good master i, I just think it's, it's pointless at that point you yes. might as well spend the money on getting a decent product then spend whatever you've got left on marketing if at all because exactly. i promise you that if you get if you have a small marketing budget but an incredible sounding song it will go so much further than a well marketed awful sounding song <laughs> very much so um another thought to throw out on the the the, the thoughts of of marketing um is especially on facebook if you have more than i think it's 2000 likes on your band's page then you can get really detailed um breakdowns of um like information about about these people which is a bit scary on one level but it's all things like age and where they the kinds of places where they live other kinds of pages that they like on facebook and if you are going to do facebook marketing information like that on people who already like your band is absolute gold dust um that is a great way to set up a campaign if you have more than about i think it's 2000 maybe it's 1000 a lot a lot of likes um but yeah if you don't really know the kinds of people who like your music and i know all sorts of people can like all sorts of music but you know the kind of broad demographic of of people who enjoy your music if you don't know that don't do facebook marketing it is a waste of money if you don't have that information yeah I want to also highlight that there are reasons why there are podcasts alone by really well-paid specialists on Facebook advertising. It It is a job in itself. If you're going to do it properly, do research. Don't just go off what we've said. Like, like Phil said, if you want to throw 50 quid into the abyss then Facebook marketing without an idea of what you're trying to do is the quickest way of doing it. Absolutely. It's a great way of wasting money. So that was a lot of very, um, frankly, disparate information about marketing. And there's all sorts of different approaches you can take. There's all sorts of different methods you can take. And if you're trying to work out what to focus on, I would say it depends on your situation. Um, so if you're in london let's take london love london hashtag london i don't, I don't do hashtags anyway um then <laughs> sorry sorry let's go back on that did you just try and do hashtag london <laughs> N no <laughs> you're not getting away with that one. Oh, can't we edit that's that definitely out? making the edit that's definitely oh, making yeah. the edit great um so if you're in london and you're i don't know a, a sort of up and up and coming rock band um then lots of gigs there's so many opportunities that are out there for gigs to meet people at gigs to you know network in a very kind of natural way um but don't completely disregard things like your social media and your online presence um if you are a words um let's go pop band from hashtag liverpool <laughs> a pop band from hashtag liverpool well i mean liverpool's a great city for gigs so it's a lot of very similar information frankly yeah uh, to be honest looking back over what we've talked about i think you've got to have 
the elements of pretty much everything apart from the paid promotion is the only one where I'd say caution do some real research and make some decisions on it it's not necessarily that important but i think the whole element of not being a dick doing loads of gigs and you know trying to get as many gig opportunities in as many places as possible being active members of uh, facebook groups and generally networking in in person i think they're they're all really really useful things to do for the health of your music career do those and you'll be golden you were, well that and have a really good sounding song i mean that well yeah i mean everything we've said <laughs> so is predicated like on sounding in, good I mean, yeah i feel like we should throw this into the caveat of all pretty much everything we've ever discussed on this podcast relies on you having good sounding songs yes if you <laughs> can't write a song for toffee then go back a few steps <laughs> work yeah. out how to write a great a great song these, these are very these are very supplementary points to having already a good sounding song. Although, if you are somewhat worried about uh, how your song is sounding, feel free to reach out to me at uh, Nevis Audio or Phil at Vortis Sound Studios That's because me. I'm the king of segues today. That's a terrible segue. It's a great segue. It's better than hashtag London. Don't don't don't. don't. Don't do down the hashtags. Um, can I just throw in one really quick, really quick plug for a random YouTube channel that I would highly recommend? Go for it. Um, this is such a random bit. If you are trying to work out songwriting, holistic songwriting, look it up. It is amazing. It, it truly is amazing. It's, um, it's much more geared towards sort of pop, but if you want to write a catchy song and you really don't know where to kind of funnel your ideas, go there. 100% go there. Well, on that note of uh, recommendations, I'm also going to throw one in, which is a much more... I'm going to recommend a book. Who remembers oh, books? <laughs> Things made out of What's paper and you physically hold them. Uh, it is, and you're going to have to... Let me explain. It is How to Win Friends and Influence People. And it's not as awful as it sounds. It sounds like it's a really manipulative thing, but there's a version... Uh, that I think is called How to Win Friends and Influence People in a internet in a age, age or in the age in of the internet. Age. Digital age. I'm pretty sure. Have I recommended this to you? Yeah, I've not read I it yet. Like, <laughs> oh, well, you should. It's very, very good. It's basically just kind of like a really good map of how to best conduct yourself online to give off the best impression possible. It's just kind of got all tips on networking how to structure emails and and stuff like that and it's a really easy read it's not heavy you can just read a few pages a day and i promise it'll make the world a difference is it in fact a book on how to not be a dick it might as well be called how not to be a dick in an internet age yeah that, that's a better title it is but i think the original was written in about 1920 <laughs> so i think they might have struggled to get that through publishing true that's a technicality so that was another thrilling episode of the Music Survivor Guide podcast. I guess hashtag London is now a thing. 
Um, you can find us on Facebook by typing in the Music Survival Guide. And we've got a great community there where we're chatting about all issues related to music and the 21st century music industry. Um, go and give us a like and get involved. We'd love to see you there. If you want to find me for my uh, professional services, that doesn't sound weird, as a mixing and mastering engineer, then you can just go to uh, vortisoundstudios.com or you can find Joe's services at nevisaudio.com. See you next time. <laughs>